0: It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speak-easy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stauffer. I
1: was thinking about that. I think we already was thinking about that. You know, my granddaughter is now in the habit. Now calling of calling me on FaceTime. Granddaughter.
0: Oh. Yes. Just right in the middle? Yes. Has your phone ever gone off during a show? No. Okay.
1: Because I stopped doing shows before I had a Oh,
2: That's
0: true. No, but I mean like anything you've seen.
1: Oh, no. Nothing like that.
0: (laughs) There was a funeral that I went to. Uh, One of my best friend's mother passed away. Mm -hmm. And the woman that I sat next to thought she had her phone off. So right as the pastor says, if anybody has anything that they'd like to come up and say... All of a sudden, you hear, Do you believe in life after love? Which was her daughter's ringtone. <laughs> She's just like frantically put, trying to like shut yes. it up. It happened two more times, which was lovely because it was a nice break during the funeral. Yes. And guess who they all blamed it on? Yes. Oh. Mm hmm. Yeah, because I seem like wow. the kind of person that not only would forget to turn their phone off, but would have shares, Do you believe in life after love? on their cell oh. phone. I mean, neither of which is true. I mean,. No. It's in
3: the realm of plausibility. It's in the realm of, yeah. Extreme plausibility.
0: I wouldn't put it <laughs>
1: oh, that's good.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Do you respond badly when people's cell phones go off during... I don't. Okay. You understand. I'm hard
1: of hearing. I have hearing aids in today, but yeah. so I can hear your questions right. and everything, you know. But uh, but I'm, I'm much... More, I guess, understanding of those things and stuff. I mean, yeah. the horror story was at one time, you know, that that uh, uh, a beeper went off, you know, during a Columbus Symphony <laughs> concert in Christian Body, and it was though Ooh. somebody who would collapsed in the hall, and they took her the ambulance, and she died. So, oh and he was very incensed in talking to the audience. It's like, you know, maybe this is an emergency. It
0: might be a thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh
1: my um, gosh. And so. Oh.
0: When I was at Otterbein, I remember we had the cursed year. There were two people that died mm. during shows. <laughs> one year at Otterbein. Yeah. Wow. I think I stopped working the box office after that. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad.
1: Villy and I were doing a program one time at Friendship Village. Okay. Jessica was like three or four years old. Because before we did our program, she sang God Bless America. And she's at just three, so darn cute. Yes.
0: This is Jessica Grove, who is phenomenal. She's, she owns a theater now, doesn't she, yes. with her husband? Yes. I remember idolizing Jessica as a kid. Like, how can that voice happen yes. in this teeny little thing? Yes. And just the so nice. They were so nice. Yes. <laughs> I mean, still are, of course. But
1: Well, and so this thing happens. Jessica yes. sings, and this woman gets up to introduce Mary and gets this lovely lady. And she starts to, like her speech falter. So Billy and I help her to her chair in the front row. And then we start in, you know, um, and our opening is all is nothing like a name. We got something on the side. <laughs> and, and we see.
2: Oh my gosh. Marion
1: slumping <sighs> down and we stop. And Billy calls an ambulance and everything. And an ambulance is called and goes, picks her up, takes her to San Ann's, you know, cause we're at friendship village and yeah. everything. And, uh, so after, you know, I, do a few numbers. Billy comes back in. We finish and everything. So, and we go home, and I call Billy and I said, Do you hear a house, Marion? He said, She died. And I said, Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. And Billy says, Well, I guess if she had a choice, she'd rather go out hearing us sing Nothing Like a Dame than anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and there's my phone there. <laughs>
0: that is perfect timing.
1: United States sorry i don't know you (laughs) i've been bothered i've been told in everything you know i'm i'm in who's who in america in in the coming year and i actually told somebody about that i said guess what i just found out i'm going to be in who's who in america and they said wow what a coincidence i just found out i'm going to be in who gives a shit in america
2: (laughs) (laughs) i
0: love this
1: bigger volume more names (laughs) (laughs)
0: because <laughs> I've known you for so long, but yeah. you've done so much. Like, where are you from originally? Let's start there.
1: I'm from Columbus, from okay. the north side of Columbus. Okay, uh, where
0: did you go to high school?
1: Northland High School.
0: Okay, all right. And
1: so I graduated in 1970, um, started at Ohio State University, and mm-hmm. then switched to University of Cincinnati. Once I decided, you know, my thought was I'm gonna be a singer.
0: hmm Were you planning to do classical then?
1: Um, or just yes, actually. Well, I was like studying opera. Okay. My idol was Robert Merrill. I loved listening to Robert Merrill. Okay. Um, but the thing was, being a Columbus kid and I really did not want to go to New York mm-hmm. or Chicago or to Europe, which was kind yeah. of like mandatory at that time if mm-hmm. you really wanted to have a serious career. And I was always kind of practical. Um, my teacher, Michelle Horsfield, um, I asked her after my third lesson, when am I going to start making money at this? And, and at that time, and at that point, you know, my, my repertoire was where are you walk passing by and now sleeps the crimson petal," <laughs> which, uh, which oh, any young singer hits. knows, uh, knows. And uh, but see, I would say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm these, these lessons are already- costing me money. When am I going to start seeing the return? And uh, as it happened, mm-hmm. as it happened, uh, the Columbus Symphony Opera at that point was starting. To produce an opera series okay and so i got into the chorus um they started adding more and more shows and then in 1980 um the symphony decided they were gonna not do opera anymore Mm -hmm. the focus was we're going to be a major symphony orchestra by the end of the 1980s so everything that not does not get Mm -hmm. us there um is going to be jettisoned And so that was when Irma Cooper Mm -hmm. and a number of other people who loved opera and were very very influential started the uh, Opera Columbus, and I did the role of Charone in Tosca in the debut production (laughs) of Opera Columbus in December 1981. So this this year is the 40th season, (laughs) 40th anniversary season of the opera. So I ended up you know between the Opera Columbus Light Opera, which Mm -hmm. as you know I co-founded. Um, uh, sang probably, um, 20 to 30 roles mm-hmm. over 25 years. The last major production I did was 2007, the Merry Widow mm-hmm. and, uh, um, Roger Stevens directed, who was, mm-hmm. uh, somebody we all know and love and mm-hmm. Bill Boggs was yeah. the conductor. So, so I've, I feel like I'm just rambling about my, my This is why <laughs> we're here. My career. No, I love this because...
0: <laughs> I, I've known you since nineteen eighty seven. Yes. That's when we moved here and that's when mom started performing. Yes. And you were you were part of the family. I mean that's just Yes. That that was our family because we'd go to school and then we'd go to rehearsal. Yes. With mom and or dad.
1: And the first show that I did with your mom, nineteen eighty eight, was The Council.
0: We weren't allowed to see that one.
1: Yeah. It was that. Which was it which was scary. I played the secret police agent, so and so I was like one of the bad people. Mark Baker and, yeah. and Stephanie Henkel were the good people.
0: Okay. Didn't mom shove her head in an oven or something?
1: No. No? She committed suicide by shoving her head against Stephanie and stuff. But your oh, okay. mom and I were kind of like, you know, <laughs> we were just bothering these people. I mean, it was like, it was like the Ukraine. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but in 1940s or Russia or some yeah. Eastern European thing like that, you know. Okay. And, of course, Mark Baker, you know, acted Sang like a mm-hmm. god. His mm-hmm. voice was so spectacular. Mm-hmm. And your mother. She's such a wonderful cast. Yeah. Um, I think Roger made a video of that. I've never seen it. Huh. But it was a traumatic. Um, it was dark wasn't it? It's very dark. Yeah, It's very dark. And the thing was I was glad because I actually did the role of the secret police agent in mm-hmm. that production. And six years before I had done a smaller part mm-hmm. in the Columbus Symphony Orchestra, wow. pre-Opera Columbus production, that John Carlo uh-huh. came and directed himself. So okay. that was one of my, you know, p- people say, well, who are was your claim to fame, the people you've worked with? Well, I was directed in an opera by John Carlo Minotti.
0: Minotti. did. I sang with Beverly
1: Sills. Did you really? And Roberta Peters, so. Oh, wow.
0: Toss, toss.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, so.
0: So when, um... You founded opera. Excuse me, Columbus Light Opera, and that was kind of a branch. Was that meant to just be solely light opera to give something different? Like, how did that come to fruition?
1: For um, several years in the 1970s and 80s, Don Glancy and Bill Connibal at Ohio State had done a big GNS every summer.
0: That's Gilbert and Sullivan.
1: Yes, Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> excuse me, um, and. And the last one they did was the Gondoliers. Oh yeah, in 1984. Yeah, and it lost like seventeen thousand dollars. So, oh, which kind of stunned me. I thought, how can you, how can you lose money on a production when you're not paying the cast? So, that, just um, ticket <coughs> sales or what? Um, well, I don't know. It was you know, did it was produced at Mershon Auditorium. They had a beautiful set and costumes and everything, yeah. you know, the orchestra, you know, had to be paid and stuff. So That's true. um That's true. but uh, in any wise, um Ohio State said, We're not we're not gonna do this anymore. Okay. So and there were a lot of people that had performed in those operettas mm-hmm. and we said, Well what if we would maybe put together a company ourselves mm-hmm. and do it? and so Columbus Light Opera was born in the summer of nineteen eighty five. Greg wow. Patterson, mm-hmm. Ray Marie Swart, um, the late Gwen Keggy, mm-hmm. and I were all the original board. Okay. And so we started off with a dinner theater evening at um, at uh, Ohio Dominican. Okay. One of our singers, Michael Pavoni, was the choir director there, and he mm-hmm. said, "Well, we can use the thing," and and so um, uh, it was ten dollars a ticket, <laughs> and that included dinner. And so and this is nineteen eighty five. Yes. Okay. And the sixteen performers we, we called together mm-hmm. um also divert dessert and coffee afterwards. <laughs> and uh, and the thing was we had enough money that we gave every member of the cast ten dollars. Okay. Because I said, We want you to know our intention is that this will be a professional mm-hmm. company. Yeah. And you and so so people were thrilled about that. Mm-hmm. And so and uh and I put out a pitch um, to the audience assembled and said this is what we'd like to do we're gonna do another dinner theater evening um, excerpts from Deflator Mouse at Villa Milano in December mm-hmm. and by next summer we want to do a full-length production of the Mikado okay. and the following Monday everybody had little omelets at their table and the following Monday I looked at our mailbox we had a check for $100 and a check for $500 so I called the other founders and I said we're off Wow! So, okay. did Deflater Mouse"? Mm-hmm. That was the first time we ever gave performers a contract. <laughs> you mm. will be paid forty dollars. <laughs> the pay was going up. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and then we did "Trial by Jury." I don't know that uh, one. Uh, "Trial that by Jury" says? is the very first Gilbert and Sullivan opera. It's very short, like okay. thirty-five minutes. And the main reason why we did it was mm-hmm. so that we could invite representatives from the Arts Council to look mm-hmm. at it because we were applying for a grant. Okay. And so they came and looked at and said, Okay, this is good. Okay. We drafted Bill Connibal and um uh Don Clancy from Ohio State to say, Would you help us and direct and conduct okay. this first production, the Mikado? So we found the space at the Leo Yazanoff Jewish okay. Community Center. So and um uh, and so we did the Mikado. Yeah. It was very successful. I played Coco. Um <laughs> which became the role that I did the most often. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so liked it very much. And so from there, we just kind of like grew. I mean, it was one production the first three years. Mm-hmm. And then in 1989, we added a second production. So so we would always do yeah. one revival and one new one. Okay. And Is that
0: the HMS summer?
1: HMS summer was 88. Okay. And then we repeated it in 91. At one point, your mom did Cousin Hebe. And she also did uh, in, uh, uh, in, uh, in in uh, Pinafore, I believe. Okay. And I did, she definitely did Pity Sing. Yes, yeah, she in did. In the Mikado. Uh-huh. She did the Duchess of Plaza Toro uh-huh. in the revival of the Gondoliers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it just became like we really developed a core of people. And once in 1987... Bill Box and Roger Stevens came on board mm-hmm. as the artistic team. I mean, it just really continued to grow. People yeah. loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I left in 1994 as the managing director because mm-hmm. um, I was offered a job at WSU. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, you know, much as I loved running Columbus-like opera, you know, it, it didn't pay very much. I had no yeah. benefits, you yeah. know. And I'd gotten known at WOSU because I would come on and, mm-hmm. and talk about the light up and 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 the woman there who ran the fundraising said, you know, you sound good on radio. You know, would you like to come on and, and pitch mm-hmm. on television too? So I ultimately <clears throat> I ultimately went on the staff in fundraising, mm-hmm. so and it's proof <clears throat> that people do watch the pledge drives, which they say they no. don't.
0: No, we always did.
1: I I drove through McDonald's one night, order some food, it was late. And I got up the window to the pay and the woman said, we went to high school together. And I said, well, I don't know. Um, I went to Northland. Where did you go? And she said, I went to Bishop Waters. And she said, you look so familiar. And I said, do you ever watch WOSU? And she went, Lord of the Dance. And I said, well, no, I'm not Michael Flatley. <laughs> but I was on that show asking for money. <laughs> so, <laughs> you should have told her you were Michael Flatley. So,
0: <laughs> she would have made you dance, though. <laughs>
1: yes. So so I digress. But anyway, so getting back to the light opera, ultimately I left and and we moved to the Southern Theater. That mm-hmm. was huge. Mm-hmm. That had always been a big goal to be downtown. Yeah. And, uh, and your mom and I did the student prints together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like foils to each other. Was and, David Price and, in that one? Mm-hmm.
0: Was David Price in that one?
1: David Price was not in that one. He
0: was not in that one. He was in another one, wasn't he? He
1: was in several. He was in, I don't know if he was in any of our non-GNS, but he did like Frederick in Pirates. Mm -hmm. He did Nanky Poo in the Mikado. Um, He did one of the Funny Dragoons in Patience, which was actually my favorite. Even though I did Kokomoire, that was my Mm -hmm. favorite role was was Archie Grosvenor. Um, And uh, so we grew and it got to the point like where, oh, gee, um, maybe we need um, bigger management or mm-hmm. something. So mm-hmm. um, merging into Opera Columbus. And I was asked, yeah. um, what do you think about that? You know, cause Dave, you're one of the founders, mm-hmm. you know, Greg and I went to lunch and everything with him. And I said, well, here's the thing, we love Bill Russell. Mm-hmm. And we know that Bill Russell loves the light opera. I mean, you know, in the summer shows you can hear his big laugh out there mm-hmm. in the audience. Ha 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 Yeah, and everything. And and but someday Bill might not be the director of Opera Columbus. Mm-hmm. What if the person that comes in after him doesn't care for light opera? Mm-hmm. And by gosh, that's exactly yes. what happened. Mhm. So and it was painful. Yeah. And and you know, people still see me to this day and and Talk about how much they love the light opera. Mm-hmm. You know, Christopher Burdy said to me just the other day, you know, we need to, you need to start the light opera back up again. And I said, you know, well, the the reality was, I said, that was half my lifetime ago. I said, you know, I'm yeah. 70 now. I was 33 when we started the light opera. And, and I was, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have a family. Right. I didn't have a wife right. and a child and yeah. a grandchild. And yeah.
0: It's a big undertaking. I can't.
1: It is. And the reason it succeeded, I believe, that it was a labor of love mm-hmm. of the performers because God knows and everything. I mean, when we got up, you know, to, uh, I, th- I think our, the biggest fee we paid was like $1,500. Mm-hmm.
0: Is it considered um, public domain, Gilbert and Sullivan? Gilbert and Sullivan is. Okay. When
1: we started doing things like The Student Prince. Mm-hmm. And the Vagabond King and the Desert Song. Mm-hmm. Now those were all created in the 1920s, so they are so still had- in royalty and stuff. So, okay. but the good thing you know about Gilbert and Sullivan was that that it wasn't the public domain, mm-hmm. and so, and they just had a real following, and they were great shows for young singers.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and they're fun. They are do you, fun. Do you know any of those, Ben? Mm-hmm. Gilbert and Sullivan really shows? I
3: mean, I know Pirates of Penzance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of... They're probably... Well, at least to me, anyway. The most notable
0: yeah. one, anyway. Yes. But, probably. Yeah. That's got to be the most well-known, I would think. Pirates
1: of Penzance, especially because, you know, after Joseph Papp yeah. did it in Shakespeare in the Park one summer yeah. with Kevin Kline and Linda Ronstadt and... And they made a movie of it, mm-hmm. you know. And Rick Smith, Rick you know, Smith. if anybody remembers Rick Smith, you know. He was
0: a hottie in that one. He was. Yeah, that curly hair.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before well, he went on to host Solid Gold, so.
0: Ooh, I didn't know about that one. We, that was what we grew up on, because that was the first show. I can't remember why Dad directed it. I think it was a high school. It was right before we moved. He directed a version of that one. Mm-hmm. And he put Melissa and I in there. As ah. townspeople, yes, where we didn't really do anything, yes, we danced around. Go, oh, the pirates are coming! But yes. we knew every line back and forth, and I had to play Mabel because that was my part. yes, and I made Melissa play the other parts. Ah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful! Sounds about right. Isn't yes, <laughs> and 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 Alan, your father, actually did mm-hmm. a show with us. He, he was in the chorus of pirates. He was. So that was great fun. He I think, think that was in the nineteen. 19- because you guys moved in eighty seven, we did Pirates for the first time mm-hmm. in eighty seven. So I think he was that was the first show we ever revived. Yeah. So in nineteen eighty nine, um, we okay. revived it, and mm-hmm. and your dad was in that show.
0: And I think that was the summer that Mom was in Des Moines. I think she worked with the Des Moines Opera.
1: Might have been one of
0: those summers because Dad did it and she didn't. Yes. And then one of them, Dad wound up with some guardhouse that was painted red and white. What show would that have been?
1: That would have been um, Iolanthi.
0: Iolanthi. He
1: was in that too. I forgot that because we, he and I were in the chorus for that and everything. Yes. Somebody dropped out, and I, of course, you know, being the manager and everything, I would always be in the front. But mm-hmm. the peers make their entrance late enough that I could actually go backstage, and so yeah. I filled that open spot in the chorus, and uh, and um, the guardhouse, mm-hmm. um, Kevin Wiles played the um uh the, the dra- dragoon the guard and everything so and mm-hmm. that was a, a big part of that so because
0: that wound up in our backyard yes. all the kids in the neighborhood thought we were so cool yes. probably not but that's what we and we and
1: about. i loved it because and everything you know because you know the like the closing line is everyone's a fairy now
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean it fits for a lot yes. of things don't yes you?
1: <laughs> Well, uh, Billy and I, when we did shows, and there's, there's a wonderful show from the, uh, by Layard from one of his lesser known shows called Paganini and the song is Girls Were Made to Love or Kiss. And one of the lines is, Can I be blamed to follow nature's way? Am I ashamed that God has made me gay? And Billy would interject, That was written when that meant happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, this day and age is like, yeah, cool. Yes. Oh, cool, cool. Whatever you want to do, man. Oh, that's funny. So you, then you went to WSU. And yeah. you were just fundraising? Like, how?
1: I did fundraising. I was on air. I did a lot of on-air things. Yeah. And, and from there, I went back shortly to the Columbus Symphony Orchestra, um, uh, where I'd actually started my fundraising career just as a low-level assistant. Okay. So, and uh, and then from there, I went to Malabar Farm, Um up okay. in up in Mansfield, Mansfield because I had worked on funding for a documentary that WSU had done won Buku Awards on the life of Louis Bromfield and Malabar mm-hmm. Farm. And so I got to know the folks up there and mm-hmm. found out that they were looking to build um an education and visitor mm-hmm. center. And the person who'd been my major funder of that documentary at WSU, um said, Tell them I will make a half million dollar challenge if they can raise that much money in this period of time. And I will advance them this much to bring you on as a consultant because it was an all volunteer group. They Mm -hmm. had no staff. Yeah. So I went up there and stayed for five years. We built the center. And during that time I was researching um, the life of Ruby Elsie, which actually came about um, one day when I was uh, at WOSU Mm -hmm. uh, at a luncheon.
0: I don't know who that is.
1: Ruby Elsie. 1930 graduate of the Ohio State University um, was handpicked by George Gershwin to create the role of Serena in Porgy and Bess. She introduced the song "My Man's Gone Now." He wrote it for her, and and there was a woman on the WSU board, Mm -hmm. and she found out about my background as a singer, Mm -hmm. and she said, "Have you ever heard of a singer named Ruby Mm Elsie?" And I said, "No, I haven't." She said. Well, she was a classmate of mine in 1929, oh my gosh. and she was the original Serena in Porgy and Bess. Well, of course, I had heard of Porgy mm-hmm. and Bess, and I said, well, I can't believe, you know, because I was, after being a student at Ohio State, and then I went back and mm-hmm. did, you know, the opera things. I did several things for Paul and for and for Roger, and I said, I can't believe there was somebody from Ohio State who was in the original Porgy Miss. There should be something right. in the School of <laughs> Music was big about her. Yeah. You know, um, especially being black at a time when there mm-hmm. weren't a lot of blacks at right. the Ohio State University, mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you couldn't even be housed in a dormitory on campus. You had really. to be housed with black families off campus. Wow. So wow. yes, we're talking Lily White, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. But the thing was I started to <clears throat> investigate her life and and I found that besides poor game best, I mean she had been in film, she was on radio. Hmm. She had sang at the White House at the invitation wow. of Eleanor Roosevelt in nineteen thirty seven. So but she had died very young at the age of thirty five in nineteen forty three okay. after a botched operation. So so she'd just been one of those huh. singers Many black singers that mm-hmm. had fallen through the cracks, yeah. the, the of history, and and except for a few mentions in things about Gershwin mm-hmm. or Porgy and Bess, uh, she had almost been forgotten. So I just determined, you know, somebody needs to tell mm-hmm. this story, and I spent five years researching. The big thrill of my life, uh, uh, I was introduced to, and I got to talk long distance, of course, um, to Ann Brown, who was the original Bess. Oh wow! So. And uh, she lived in Norway. She had gone there in 1948 to mm-hmm. do a concert um, and ended up marrying uh, a champion Olympic skier there who was white. They had a family. And she never came back to the United States because she said, you know, racial attitudes were totally different. Yep. So, And so it was wonderful to talk to her. What was it like, you know, to go on tour? And, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, so she was really forthcoming about you know those things and I mm-hmm. found the family of the man who discovered Ruby Elsie at this small black college yeah. in 1927 and brought her to Ohio 20s. State um, so it so I wrote a book black diva in the 30s the life mm-hmm. of Ruby Elsie published by University Press of Mississippi in 2004 did a book tour hmm. and one of the events that I did was a, a talk at the Ohioana Library Association mm. I met the director, Linda Hengst, who all she knew about me was that I'd written this book and that I sang. And
0: uh, That's it. That's all I got. And, <laughs>
1: uh, and she said, well, what do you do? you are not writing or singing. And I said, well, actually, how I've made my living is as a fundraiser mm-hmm. in the arts and public broadcasting. She said, really? We're getting ready to create our first ever development director position. Would you be interested? And I said, "Yes, I would, because not only am I a fundraiser, but i'm, I'm an Ohio author, which mm-hmm. is what the Ohio library is all about so yeah. So yeah. I joined the staff and the end of two thousand five when Linda retired in two thousand and thirteen, I moved up into being you know the executive director, and so I've been doing that ever since so wow so it's it's meant it's meant uh I haven't had the time to do." As much singing yeah. as I once did, mm-hmm. um, which is fine because I I, I, I personally feel you know my my voice has uh, deteriorated significantly <laughs> over the years. So I will tell you a funny story though, about you know everything. I believe I'm digressing again. That's okay. We can edit this. This is what we do. We don't uh, edit uh, anything. Um, anyway, um, this is why we're here. <laughs> I believe every person should have a theme song. Okay. And, and my theme song is Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Perfect. And somebody asked me why that. And I said, well, because I love the lyrics by Oscar Hammerstein. Mm-hmm. The second, the tune is by Rogers is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I said it's written for a baritone, which I am. Yep. And so, you know, oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. And it just, it just uplifts me. Yeah. And, and actually one day I was walking in a bank and I was not singing. I was humming my theme song.
2: And
1: the bank card said, wow, somebody sure is having a good day today. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, any day you can be alive in this beautiful world and be paid to serve your fellow man is a good day. Mm-hmm. And the smile left his face and he said, are you on drugs? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow. Doesn't take much,
1: does it? So I felt bad, you know, that somebody couldn't be that, you know
0: Couldn't take that. That
1: uh, up and optimistic and somebody think you something wasn't wrong.
0: There is nothing that brings me more joy than seeing somebody enjoying music. Like you see people when you're driving on the highway and they're just rocking it out. Yes. That makes me so happy. Yes. And I look over and I smile, and, and part of me is just like, don't do it because you don't want to break their, you don't want them to come out of this joyful moment and be embarrassed about it, but it's just, I kind of want to jam with them. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. We're in together. Because I do that far too often. Yes. We will roll down, the, we did it, uh, my castmates and I had lunch together after a rehearsal. And I, we were all having a conversation. I just said, sorry guys, we gotta turn this up. And then we're all just singing, Wham, wake yes. me up before you go go. Yes. We're driving down high street. Yes. I said, I can turn this down, sorry guys, but this is just something I do. They're like, No, this is Yes. This is beautiful. So I'm sorry. My watch is trying to talk to me. Oh. <laughs> I think my watch feels lonely sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> and the ones to be like, So what are you doing?
1: You you'll probably do this at home you're singing at home at every mm-hmm. time and one time after I'd seen 1984 with Prince I, I was over at my my sister's house and everything and, and I was singing I'm a sex shooter shooting love in your direction and my, <laughs> my sister said what the hell kind of a song <laughs> is that and I, I said oh. Apollonia <laughs> Catero, I said from 1984
0: love it what's your theme song do you know we've we've discussed this yeah we've discussed this before actually yeah because we're both
3: it depends on the day yeah yeah you've
0: assigned me one
3: well the one i really want to have is it's raining ben <laughs> but i have yet to find somebody to sing that for me and record an actual version
0: of i'm it. out so, my voice just can't yeah. do that for yeah. you but yeah I'll find somebody you will i yeah. believe in you yeah yeah.
3: Then I have a theme song.
0: Then you will have a theme song. Yep. What's that's your the favorite You want to
3: change it. Ben. Men to Ben. Men to Ben. Yep. That's you, the only layer. That's
0: a lot of Ben to rain though. <laughs> what is your favorite opera, operetta, musical? I will we'll put all the performing things out there. What's your fa- can you narrow it down? Uh or should I we categorize.
1: Uh, I would say my favorite musical um, is Man of La Mancha. Mm,
2: okay.
1: And uh, I always thought that, that the Opera Columbus slash Columbus Light Opera production, mm-hmm. of that with Mark Baker, mm-hmm. um, Chris Baum, and everything, um, was one of the real high points of, mm-hmm. of our time. Um, <clears throat> opera, I really do love Puccini operas. Mm. And I love Madame Butterfly. Mm
0: hmm. Okay, Puccini was the name of our first dog. Ah, shocker! I know. Yeah, yeah. And we had Costanza. Yes, she wasn't good. She went to the farm. Like she yes. really went to the farm. And, and you know, people, you know,
3: yeah, named for George Costanza. I am assuming correct.
0: No. No. no, 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 not in our house. No.
1: People ask me all the time about you know things about Andrew Lloyd Webber and Stephen Sondheim, and I said actually one of my favorite roles I said is I I. I was the first Carl Magnus in the first Columbus production of a little light music.
0: music. Where was that?
1: That was at Player's Theater.
0: Okay.
1: Nineteen seventy nine. Um I was the I was uh uh Count Magnus. Um Carl Magnus. Such a fun role. And um and Charlotte, my wife mm-hmm. was Linda Dorf.
0: Oh, our Linda. I love her.
1: So, her. so that was good and everything, you know, and uh, so I really do like that. Uh, yeah. Because again, Little Night Music has such a light opera feel yes. to it.
0: We were talking um, about Candide. Yes. I want to see somebody do that. And we talked about it at, at Short North and, and he, Edward said, it's too much of an opera. I mean, you've got to get the voices in there because that is yes. a hard... Hard some show. It's a hard
1: piece, you know. I saw a wonderful production of that, again, at Player Theater, you know, mm-hmm. with uh, with uh, Bob McDonald in the uh, title role. Um, I can't think of the woman that played Kuniganda, but she just really nailed Glitter McGay. That is, and that I said to somebody, that is an aria.
0: Oh, it is. I Absolutely. said, that is
1: as hard as anything, yeah. <laughs> any piece in any yep. opera and mm-hmm. stuff, so.
0: I think I was trying it in the car <coughs> the other day, and it was like, nope.
1: Yeah. <laughs> nope. <clears throat> not
0: that. Not that much of a soprano. but. Yes. Ooh.
1: So, but that's wonderful. But again, that's a show you don't see. Yeah. Um, very often, and like you said, because you can't, you hard. can't, you can't screw around, you know, with, the singing. Mm-mm. I was told Roger that the most happy fellow, which is a wonderful operetta-type musical, mm-hmm. um by Frank Lesser, who also mm-hmm. did Guys and Dolls mm-hmm. and <clears throat> um, would have made a great production for Mark. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just, sorry.
0: Mark that was, all... was, and I mean, we just passed his, or we just, a couple weeks ago was his passing, four years yes. of his passing. Mark was my stage dad. And that's what I always remembered of him was that, I mean, I can't even think of how many shows he and mom were paired up together, at least three. Right. Yes. I mean, I didn't see all of them that they did, <clears throat> but it was always just he was the stage dad.
1: And the very first year, your mom was here. I mean, he yeah. was in all three of the shows: mm-hmm. the console,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, Fiddler on the Roof, yeah, and um, uh, what else did they do? Carmen.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: He did Escamillo. That's right. That's when they had David Reeves, you know, uh-huh. and the terrible thing and everything. He was he didn't know how to mark. So by the time they got, you know, to dress or rehearse, it was like he'd sung 40 performances of Don Jose. And he lost oh, his voice. Oh, and so they had to bring in Gene Allen from Capitol University to use a score in the pit singing. And he was singing a different translation. Oh, so, my gosh. <laughs> like for so it was like one of the worst stories you could possibly think to oh, have happen. Gosh. So David couldn't sing a note, but he went through and he did, it. He did the mind to it.
0: Mining opera, that's a skill.
1: Yes, yes. So, but that yeah, that first year and everything. So that was the first year I knew you guys and your mom Mm -hmm. and stuff. So
0: because we did fiddler, that was at OSU. That was where we were as kids. That was the show where I learned to listen for your cues. Yes, I missed a cue. I missed coming on stage altogether. Missed my line. Roger came and said one thing to me, and I don't think I've missed a cue mm. ever since. My and it was not mean, but it was it was coming from Roger. That was all I needed to know. Yes. I, okay. Yep. Not going to do that again. <laughs> now I listen real carefully for my cues. Yes. What's amazing to me, and I've spoken this before to to the fellow opera because I got to do Tosca, and I gave your blessing to Miguel Pedrosa, who was our yes, <laughs> or as we called him, Mama Sharone. Um, the yeah, the difference between working in the theater versus working in the opera, mm-hmm. where basically you know right now I'm standing backstage, basically looking like here, where's my cue, and go. Where in the opera, you're just chilling downstairs. The yeah, staffer to the stage, please. It's like okay, and then you walk up and they're just like, now go. And they give you your cues for everything. Yes. It's amazing to me. Yes. Why? Why do they do that? Why is there such a different... I don't know. Okay.
1: Maybe (laughs) because with the music, if somebody gets off, it really does throw things Mm, off.
0: That's true. If you miss your cue, you can't fill. There's not a whole lot. Yeah. That makes sense. That would be hard. There's probably not a lot of improv in the opera, is there? No. Improv singing. No. (laughs) Can't even imagine.
1: <laughs> yes, no, no. There, there's not in everything. The great thing about German is was, he, of course, you know, you could add lib and stuff, you know, yeah. and dialogue and stuff.
0: Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yes. Because uh, Miguel and I have been going back and forth. He's learning German right now, and figuring out the English translation so that the German translation makes sense to him. I'm like, I don't know how you do that. Meanwhile, he's coming back like, "How are you doing yes. six roles in this play?" And it's just like we just don't understand each other's worlds. So and I, I didn't think they were that different until seeing what the other side goes through yes
1: Opera Columbus used to do this thing called vocal valentines yeah and they would send people in the community and, and, and you would sing and you had your choice of three arias okay. and I was sent um, to one thing and and the aria that I was to sing was Ma Paris from from Flauta's Martha or whatever yeah so, or I forget which one is. but <laughs> so it's a tenor aria. You? Oh, you're but not the a tenor. thing was, I didn't know that. Uh, uh, well, I didn't know the song because I'm not a tenor. Yeah. So of course I would lower the key, but I blanked on the words. Ma <laughs> and all I could think of was I started singing the titles of the 24 Italian songs and aries. And nobody would have known. No. Because it sounds fine to me. Yeah. I mean, except,
0: <laughs> so, oh, I so, know that one.
1: Yes,
0: but yeah. So. I uh-huh. was like,
1: oh, oh, crap. I'll just start <laughs> thinking, you know, it's Italian. Have and of course, ever, no one would know.
0: Nobody would know. Have you ever frozen on stage?
1: I've not frozen. I did forget the words and stuff, so
2: Okay.
1: Um, and I just kinda like, you know, blanked and everything and the conductor started. And it was on the title song to Promises, Promises, one of the first shows I'd ever did. Mm. Promises, promises, I'm all through with and I kinda blanked and the reviewer mentioned that, you know, that ex which was not good and stuff, so he seems very nervous. He seems very nervous, you know, but he settled down in the second act. And should develop soon into a respectable community theater performer. <laughs> oh my God! Okay, that's so,
2: mean. Wow.
1: Well, and you know, somebody. I'm. I, sometimes you know, people like they will forget things, but they'll they can improvise and everything. And 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 you're gonna have to. Um, Greg Patterson. Yeah. Um, you know, HMS Pinafore. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the Monica of the sea. Chris Baum played the part. Mm-hmm. And the chorus sings, his sisters and his cousins who me reckons up by dozens and his aunts. Mm-hmm. And Greg sang, his sisters and his brothers are a bunch of motherfuckers what? and his aunts.
0: <laughs>
1: and it was perfectly timed. Well, it
0: sounds great to me. That's how I would probably do it.
1: So, so anyway.
0: Oh, man.
1: <laughs> so
0: tell us about the Ohioana Book Festival that's coming
1: up. The Ohioana Book Festival. And. I say Ohioana,
0: Ohioana. It's
1: Ohioana. Okay. And some people think it has something to do with Ohio and Indiana together, but it does not. No. Um, The uh, suffix Anna added to any word means Mm -hmm. pertaining to, like Americana. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sondheim You know, whatever. And uh, (laughs) so pertaining to, and in the case of the Ohioana Library, founded in 1929, it means pertaining to celebrating and promoting Ohio authors and books. Alright. And so the Ohio in a Book Festival has been around since 2007. It's one of our newer programs. Um, we had 10 authors and a few hundred attendees the first year in mm-hmm. 2007. And now we have over 100 authors mm. and more than 5,000 attendees. So. Nice. And of course, it's virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, we dipped our toe into... Our first in-person event in the last two years with an outreach program with our good friend Dante Woods Spikes, hi Dante, who is one of our debut authors this year. So we're very excited, you know, that amongst the authors we have Dante, whom people just love, and we have him um, coming
3: in on
0: yeah, Monday. Dante's yes. coming in Monday to interview me, so you can yeah. oh, say prayers by He's really excited. and I'm scared. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what he's going to ask. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Well, that's good. But he's be great.
0: Good. No, and he's such a phenomenal turning the speaker. tables. He's
1: phenomenal speaker. All math so. questions. Uh, yes, <laughs> I
0: won't <will> walk away. <laughs> and Absolutely.
1: and we'll have Will Haygood. Um, okay. uh, also, too, his first time at the festival. Many people may know um, the film Lee Daniels the Butler that starred Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. and Forrest Whitaker. Um, that uh, was based on a story by Will. Okay. And now. One of his earlier books, In Black and White, mm-hmm. The Life of Sammy Davis Jr., has just been picked up by Hulu as a, uh, so cool. as a mini-series. I, I forget the name of the actor who's going to play Sammy Davis, um, but, uh, but it should be phenomenal. So, so very happy about that. And Will has written a fascinating book. We're going to have a coffee and conversation next Sunday at 9 a.m. with him on his book, which is called Colorization, mm-hmm. 100 Years of Black Films in a White very World.
0: Cool. Very cool, and he's based here in Columbus. He,
1: uh, well, he was born in Columbus, mm-hmm. now lives in Washington D.C. Okay. He was a Pulitzer Prize-nominated journalist for mm-hmm. um, the Washington Post. So, okay. and uh, and he actually um, teaches one semester year at his alma mater, Miami University, down in Oxford. Okay. Very good. So we're very excited. The event is free. It uh, it's from this Friday, mm-hmm. April the 29th, through. Sunday, May the 1st. We like to say we have something for every reader of every age. From, from the littlest kids mm-hmm. with picture books and drawing and bedtime stories um, up to adults, you know, mystery, mm-hmm. um, science fiction, fantasy, etc. So very cool. we're very excited. How
0: do people find that then?
1: They can find out by going on our website, okay. www.ohioanna.org.
0: And it's this third excuse me this Friday through Sunday
1: Friday through Sunday um, very exciting and uh, so uh,
0: virtual or in person virtual virtual okay virtual so there's now, different times to look for different things is that kind of the way Yes okay
1: we'll have programs starting at 10 a.m. on Friday going up to 6 p.m. so every hour there'll be another panel discussion or reading oh, or something cool. going on or yeah. a coffee and conversation you know 3d Umbergar is going to be on Saturday evening at six o'clock with cocktails and nice. conversations okay. and stuff which we're excited about so fun. it's it's a lot of fun you know it's yeah. it's event, you know for books and reading um which probably besides music books are my first love so yeah. i think you know books and music are what got me through high school right because i sucked at sports <laughs> <laughs> um and, and and so thank god for choir yes and and mm-hmm. and all of the things like that mm-hmm. and the front the fr- the friendships that I have to this day from high school were all through my choir, the young adults.
0: We're theater nerds together. Yes. Yep. yep.
1: So, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Yeah, we, get so, it. we did. So Fiddler on the Roof,
3: in fact.
0: Yeah. Yes. Under, Harvey was well, first. Harvey, yeah. Uh, yeah. You didn't do Oklahoma, did you? I did not. Okay. No. Yeah, we did Oklahoma the year before. Guess which role I played. This will really surprise you.
1: In Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Aunt Eller?
0: No. I was eight oh Annie.
1: o' Annie. Wow.
0: <laughs> it was fun.
1: I'm just a girl who yeah, can't say I no. Know. Yep. Yeah. Excellent.
0: And that was that was my funny story of being on stage and blanking. Yeah. Because Rebecca Keck had, yes. when I was practicing, and Mom was so good about not getting involved, but for some reason, I just asked her for some help on Can't Say No because, I mean, it's kind of a big number. Yes. So we learned the song, and then at the end there was just kind of like an encore. And I remember her starting to play. Said, no, "Mom, I don't need that one. We're not doing that." She goes, "It wouldn't hurt to just learn it." I'm like, Whatever, Mom. Wouldn't yes. you know it? I sang the second verse first on stage, and I'm trying to think, what do I do? Yes. Suddenly, in my brain, I have this encore that I'm able to create a second verse, and it was just like, mm-hmm. "Back, you know what you Yes. Calling. I don't call her back. I don't call my mom back. Sorry, Mom. Love you. Yeah. But, but you
1: didn't sing Motherfuckers.
0: I didn't. Mom wouldn't have been real pleased with that one. Because we weren't allowed to say those words in our house. We're probably still not, but we do it. No. <laughs> but we do it anyway. That's good. David, I'm so proud of everything you've done. And I love that we can connect after I mean, Thank just you. a after couple so of years. After so many years, yes.
1: I mean, just so I mean it still s- stuns me to think that you now have children that are older than when I first met you.
0: Uh-huh, yeah. It's a little weird. But it's good, though yes and that's i'm just i'm so pleased that the cycle continues and yes you know just to see what what comes next so we're excited for the book festival and we'll put that information up and we love you
1: put that information up i appreciate yeah. it very much and come to the festival it's free It's free, and you don't have to get off your pajamas
0: you could take your pants off <laughs>
1: yes you know there was a <laughs> fun, there was a fundraiser somebody's did virtual fundraisers for libra last year and and it was their annual gala and it was called Pants Optional. <laughs> it's fair. Here we are. <laughs> Thanks. Here you. we are. Hi, I'm Krista Bubblegum
0: Stoffer, and I'll read anything Ben puts into a script.
3: And I'm Ben. Voiceover work is a great way to make some extra cash on the side. And while it may seem like you gotta know a guy to get started, we, we're kinda, the guy. we kinda are a guy. guy. I'm a yeah. guy.
0: I guess I'm a guy.
3: Anyway, uh, if you've ever wanted to dabble in the fine art of voiceover, Boxland Academy is the best place in Central Ohio to get your larynx wet. Ew. Grow up, Krista. Boxland Academy is now enrolling for our next round of Voiceover 101 classes. Vox in the Box yep. is what we call it.
0: And all you need to do is go to boxlandmedia.com slash academy to sign up today. We've written some truly unique scripts. Yeah. And uh, to teach you how to build a character, how to control your voice, and then record your own voiceover demo.
3: And then we show you where to pursue work and get auditions. Mm-hmm.
0: So join us for Vox in the Box 101 at Boxland Academy and turn your voice into a side hustle.
3: Okay, now do it as a silly voice. Okay, you got it. Movie trailer announcer. Join us for Vox in the Box 101 at Boxland Academy and turn your voice into a side hustle.
0: Join us for Vox in the Box 101 at Boxland Academy and turn your voice into a side hustle.
3: Join us for Vox in the Box 101 at Boxland Academy and turn your voice into a side hustle.
0: Join us for Vox in the Box 101 at Boxland Academy. And turn your voice into a side hustle. Join us for Box in the Box 101
3: at Boxland Academy and turn your voice into a side hustle.
0: Join us for Box in the Box 101 at Boxland Academy and turn your voice into a side hustle. And that's how it's done. We'll see you soon. I